Welcome to Laundry Day, an unfolding series of conversations between artists, friends and collaborators gathered through Crossings, a group show about intimacies and distances. Each episode explores how the works in Crossings resonate, where they intersect and collide, and where they uncover new meanings. Laundry Day is a chance to connect from a distance. In this episode, we are transported streetside in Berlin, Germany, eavesdropping on Laura Preston as she meanders with Boaz Levin, from distance to dissonance. Distance management. I just thought it sounded like almost like a slogan, or maybe it could be um, the title of a, a menu. Um, but I wanted to ask you, about distance management and uh, what you mean that term. Yeah, that's actually, I never thought of, the, of it in like as a term in isolation. It could be a good, uh, could be a good title for a firm. <laughs> like, a, no, like a, I think what I meant was just that distance is almost, is kind of a condition we were born into or made, uh, which has been made um, integral to our experience of our everyday life to such an extent that we can only manage the varying degrees of distance. We can't really, um, you know, proximity is always relative and, and the distance is also always relative in that sense. It's like, I'm almost thinking about it like um, mediation, you know, that mm-hmm. in the sense that kind of Im- immediacy is a bit of a fallacy or is a bit of a fantasy. Like, since we're anyway speaking through language, since we're anyway experiencing things uh, in our brain conceptually, <laughs> so in that sense, there's always some type of a priori uh, mediation mm. and then also distance I mean just by virtue of the, of, of the way we think and talk and speak um, so for me that's a bit kind of just thinking about distance and mediation as something we as humans um, kind of have to deal with <laughs> and just to be paradoxical, because in the text that you're turning around paradox all the time with the use of word, are we not as humans connected though, highly connected, putting certain issues to one side for a moment and just focusing on like the development of technology is only like a hyper state of this distance management yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 a really good way to put it. Is is that it's always also the inverse, you know? I mean, as you said, it's always kind of the paradoxes that um, saying that we're kind of forced or uh, um, doomed <laughs> to be to live in a sort of distance management doesn't mean. I mean, it's in part because of our desire um, an impulse towards proximity or towards uh, connection or towards uh, intimacy or closeness or, mm. or just communication. I mean they're in a way two sides of the same coin because um, 
it, just desire is a function of, to my mind, just the kind of basic kind of intersubjective condition or, you know, the, yes. the basic separateness. But then at the same time, uh, we're always, yeah, we're always working on somehow overcoming that, um, coming to terms with coming to terms with it but also overcoming it um, and then of course that's I think kind of emphasized or accelerated or made um, made more powerful or, or just further complicated by technology in the sense that um, they are kind of yeah, the, these technologies function as as multipliers of sorts, so I mean, they are vehicles and and media of connection, but they also allow us to live further apart, and also maybe force us to live further apart. Um, and I don't know. I mean. I think the, the idea of kind of distance management as a sort of human condition is just also to say, you know, there was no, there was, there was no moment where this wasn't to a certain degree the case. Um, there's always, I mean, yeah, there's always text and there's always words and it's always a struggle to communicate. With, I mean, that's what it is in, in the end of the day about. It's yes. just kind of communicating. Yes, that's, I think that's key what you just say about language. You say is a reflection of living in the city where we are, Berlin. And there is inherently a distancing through the form of the book being bilingual. I'm just wondering what your own experience has been speaking multiple languages. How does, how does it affect your writing, your writing practice? Uh, yeah, it's a really interesting question. I didn't think about it in the context also of the book, uh, but of course it's, it makes sense. I mean, um, yeah, maybe I'd say like also the structure I think was really also very much evolved in part uh, thanks to our conversations, hmm. you know, and, and in, with, with kind of thanks to the um, yeah, thoughts we discussed about um, both about the structure of the series, but also about the possibility of a sort of art writing which uh, looks at con or tries to consider artworks, but um, but also constantly places them within a context which is both maybe personal and and has something personal at stake, but also looks at a kind of opening towards political questions and and wider context, historical context or social context. And also then, of course, the structure kind of also came to reflect the structure of the film, uh, which itself is a kind of um, kaleidoscopic narrative. So the idea of having several voices or something kind of polyphonic um, was in a way trying to also respond to that. The question about translation, that's a really 
interesting question about how you know speaking multiple languages has affected writing the text or has, whether it's kind of affected writing the text I think that's actually I haven't thought about it until now but um, but in, in a way I think for me I've always felt quite um, a, like a bit of an outsider in, in, in all languages like in all three languages but also in two my two primary languages uh, that I speak uh, so Hebrew and English um, in part because I mean I think for, for many people growing up bilingual it's often the case that there's a certain um, distance or distancing um, from what is <laughs> like what we perceived as you know the immediate uh, medium of expression let's say in English although it's kind of my a, a mother tongue or father tongue of mine I, I totally lack any sense of kind of um, idiomatic language because it's it's both you know the language I think in and reading and writing but it's also not language of a place that I ever lived in so mm. there's something totally detached from kind of um, I think it's quite a different feeling from the feeling one has when one goes up speaking a language um, in the country of that language so it makes kind of I think that's why it's also um, yeah it's just, I mean this often made me feel like my approach to both languages because also in Hebrew I feel kind of in many ways um, not entirely at home uh, in the language so it's kind of it already is a first sense of mediation of um, distance you know and also just a struggle and not a struggle but like yeah a, a, um, a sense um, that expression is not something or communication is not something you take for granted or that's just transparent you know that it's kind of uh, there's a grain to it or it's something that's very uh, deliberate you really sense that in the in the essay too how you work with rhythm or yeah the, the texture of the text these little interludes of describing plant life smells and cooking the color comes through and actually that leads me back to our beginnings right thinking about the intersubjective and how we perceive and attempt to share that. The beginnings of this project was around the color of blue and we were thinking about how color is such, a, such an impossible notion because we all see it and experience it differently. And there's so much different ideological, socio-political implications of blue. Do you remember how we had that list of what blue was? Um, blue could be working class. Blue could be the sacred. Blue is sorrow. You talk about um, the blues, the harmonies, the dissonance of the blues. It was really evocative. 
But I think also back to something of the politics of the essay, which links to your broader research practice, actually, is how how we read images and how there is a politic to Havari, the film, in that they did they chose not to show all the footage, the image of the footage, but they um, extracted the sound and they placed it over their their found material, the source material. I don't know if there's something there about colour leading to a kind of politic of the of the image and spectatorship. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we noted or that came up in our conversations, which led to the, the essay and, and later also kind of appears in the essay, is this, these thoughts about blue as a sort of proxy or, or a vehicle or an element that kind of challenges a certain given order or maybe a certain expected form of representation, let's say in concrete terms in, in blues music where it often refers to the bending or stretching or, or warping or, of a note or a set of notes which kind of deviate from the uh, equal tempered scale you know, so from the kind of scale which has been adapted quite late in western music to accommodate uh, uh, certain harmonic forms and blues in a way is, is often challenging these harmonic structures what fits in the frets of a guitar or the singing the, the voice often breaks beyond the kind of conventions which are structured or, or, or tied into um, yeah the equal equal tempered uh, chromatic scale so <laughs> that's all to say that I think in a similar way, there was something about the use of color as a kind of bending or stretching or warping of maybe our expectations about visuality, which I thought was interesting and also political in a sense of yeah, how it's used in, in the film. Yeah, also just thinking about kind of using color, which is inundated with, um, with images. So, kind of thinking of how, again, in a, maybe in a time where certain form of communication it becomes imperative, um, how how these other forms of communication, like color, become kind of an alternative route or some mm. type of uh, yeah, open up something about communication. Because mm. when you were looking at Derek Jam's blue screen or Havre's pixelated Mediterranean blue. There's much to meditate on, isn't there? Yeah, there's much to med meditate on and maybe it's similarly to to this question of kind of, you know, heightening the reality of mediation or thinking about the reality of the gap that's in translation. In a similar sense, I think it's kind of somehow, um, yeah, it introduces a distance to, let's say, the structure of cinema, which is very much based on conventions of uh, seamlessness mm. or conventions of, you know, the suspension of disbelief, what's described 
often in cinema, and in this sense, in a way, a form of estrangement or it's a suspension of that suspension. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think in a similar way, if you think of all these different avenues as, as forms of kind of reckoning with communication and making it its challenges maybe more tangible, not in order to kind of not with the thought that you can evade them, but rather as, as a form of, um, you know, considering how poetics or, or aesthetics is also dependent on, on these gaps. I think in that sense, kind of the color, translation, uh, these elements are, have something in common. Absolutely. It's connected to the blues, and the blues is such a good way to think through um, what we what we perceive harmony to be you know because if you if you appreciate the blues it's offering another kind of criteria isn't it I can't help because of how you outline the history there but consider the western harmony structure as like um, an analogy for colonialism and I may be pushing us, but another aspect to understand is how you reflect on the situation in Israel. And certainly you have been there in the midst of it. How is it now reflecting back on that recent time? Were you able to process what was happening at the time? Mm, yeah, it was strange in a way. I mean, it's, yeah, it was very strange being there now also because it felt um, it really felt very similar to the summer I described in the book the summer of 2014 um, yeah the underlying violence or the discrimination for Palestinians is uh, that's also what's often kind of forgotten when these flare kind of uh, things flare up every couple of years is that the conditions and reality remains uh, throughout. Um, but it was strange in that sense of kind of ending up, I mean, despite li living somewhere else, um, and living somewhere else also in part because, uh, I think, also because kind of having a difficult time with the situation, ending up being there every time for, for the worst rounds of violence. Uh, it's a strange, strange experience. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, again, I think even more than, like every round of violence, kind of this new, um, the reality of the mediation. <laughs> is even stronger or even uh, more pronounced um, and also kind of the whole discourse around it on social media which is also quite difficult because it's often um, you know, we attended demonstrations while we were there and like anti-war demonstrations the few that, that were taking place um, but it's also very, it's always weird to kind of see how it's translated um, abroad and how 
you know, it opens up these different camps, kind of, and, and, and of course, on the one hand, it's, there's something encouraging about seeing, let's say, increasing solidarity towards Palestinians on social media, or at least, that's, at least in the cultural sphere, but on the other hand, there's also always something very weird about how these situations are kind of reduced to, you know, digestible, meme-friendly kind of info wars uh, which again, I mean, it's just part of the reality and, and in a sense like, it's uh, yeah, it's also important that these things are kind of visible but I think in a similar way to how in the book uh, Palestinian I mean, Jordanian-American Palestinian artist Oeb Dukan describes her struggles with with what she describes as cool images. So I think that was also very present in the, in the latest crown of violence. I mean, both the resurgence and the dominance of these images and then the, the language around them and then the kind of translation of this to some type of mediated, uh, hyper-mediated war of, of uh, yeah, information war. Um, and then at the same time just experiencing the, the kind of part at least of the reality on the ground which, um, which is always way more um, basic in a way <laughs> it's just you know the reality of fear and, and suspicion and anger and, and ignorance Yeah, so that's always an interesting kind of dissonance to, to experience. <laughs> it's good, I like it's very much the sound. that yeah. the music is coming in yeah, exactly. as we speak of war. Disson and, yeah. and of dissonance. You can visit Crossings at the Adam Art Gallery Te Pātakatoi between 19 June to 22 August or view online at www.adamartgallery.org.nz.